Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Open Africa podcast. Today, we have the usual suspects. My name is Furo, and I have with me... Laulu and Nosa. If we sound confused, it's because we can't see ourselves. We're doing this remotely. Yes. In, yeah. So, to just jump right into the gist at hand, I will start with earlier in the year, we predicted that banking as a service was going to be a big thing this year. And we see that, you know, that trend has started kicking with Standard Chartered Bank releasing their white-labeled banking um, service solution for businesses. Um, apart from Standard Chartered, we also see that um, these guys... Providers. Providers are the guys that are playing heavy, heavy, heavily in this space. And they're backing like almost all the tech startups. So Carry Wise, Piggy Vest, all of them. Um in this space. Yeah. I don't know. Laulu, do you have anything to say? Uh I just wanted to, to clarify. Standard chartered is they they're white labeling for businesses. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting because typically um a lot of the banking as a service um products that we've seen in the market have been targeted at individuals well to be fair prosper get prosper is powered by providos but mm-hmm. most of the other examples that we have were targeted at um individuals so it's nice to see banks shifting a bit in the direction of of like smes and all well mm. done well done standard chartered so this is Nigeria or africa though but it's like I mean, it's still a step in the right direction. So in Nigeria, the people that we see playing in this banking service space, like we mentioned, is Providus. Who else really? Like all the other banks keep talking about open APIs and you know wanting to start to white label their solutions. But we don't see anybody actually in the market right now in Nigeria or like Africa. Well, I don't know about Africa, but like I know for in Nigeria. Yeah, I mean to be. Like all these conversations, to be fair, they started like a while ago. But Nigerian banks are typically very slow in responding, and they're not—they're not really—they're not proactive. That's the problem. I think yeah. it's because they can't really see how they're going to make money off of it, so they're still slow. If they could see the that that, that it was clearly going to be a cash cow, then it would be conversation well to be fair I, I i might have a different point of view i i think it's a one infrastructure thing you know um sometimes and i i think i was thinking i was thinking about this a couple of days ago that sometimes when we say some things about um, nigerian banks we were only really talking about a few especially those ones that are really technology forward and a whole lot of other ones are not as forward as we think that they are. And like in my day-to-day job, sometimes you you interact with some of them and yeah. some of the questions that they're asking. In my mind, I'm like, man, this is something that we've been doing for years now. Are you guys just starting this journey? So it might be one, a lack of, they might not have the infrastructure, but um, human understanding and actual IT infrastructure to be able to do it. Two, it might be a bit, maybe it's a bit complicated. Like maybe it's not a straightforward product, you know, like when you compare it to chasing your entire sales 
team out to go and bring in accounts, you know, that sort of thing. So maybe it's it's the vision of the product, if, if that makes any sense, that they're really not seeing as opposed to, because anyone who does a, a, a sensible analysis of banking as a service, you would recognize it for what it is. It's an opportunity to scale rapidly. It's an opportunity to bring in an insane amount of floats. You are, you are basically going to leverage the brand and the network of your customers to acquire more customers, essentially. So yeah, that's my own hot take on that. I, I think Josiah is right. I think banks are not just, many Nigerian banks are not just agile. Yeah, they're, they're all like big and slow and I don't want to throw shade, but a lot of people there should, should not have jobs. Like they're very, they're old. They're old, they're behind. That one, yeah, They're being held back by people who are behind. And what is good, what is going to be a shame is that this is an opportunity for banks that are trying to get to the top. Like you're not quite in that top tier there. At least those ones have that excuse. That first bank, UBA, GTB, Zenith, they have the excuse of being we are big enough, we don't have to bow down to everybody. But if you are on the cusp and you're not doing anything to get there and you're acting like you've made it because you're a big bank, yeah, you're going to be in for a shock. It won't be that if fintechs will eat you up, it will be that one day, one of these bigger banks is just going to do it because it's not long. Yeah. And they'll start, yeah. start crushing you even more. They have the infrastructure for it and they already have the existing customer base. So it'll, it'll just be overkill. Yeah. All right. I mean, in other news, our brother in the tech space, our big bro, brother Sparkle. Who's big bro? Ah, big bro in tech, though. You know, never mind. You know what yeah. you said, our uh, bro? Eh? Okay, this is Raz. Don't worry. Don't worry. So carry on. Carry on. Uh, Sparkle finally went live after much noise on social media and a, a lot of Sparkle conversations and people talking about Sparkle and not telling us what exactly it means to be sparkling. No, sir. No, sir. Are you a sparkler? Oh, God. Nah. No. <laughs> I'm not interested in what that guy is doing. Oh man, I downloaded the app. I, I think and it's a, I, I think it's an utter waste of money. As I was using the application, like one thing came to mind: Diamond Bank. That was all that came to mind the from colors. the brand colors yep. to the very concept of sparkling like a diamond. You know, like I could just see Diamond Bank, but it seems like he has very lofty plans for for the application i could see um qr codes like a qr code um, functionality pay merchants receive money send money pay bills all of that not all the functions are alive at this point in time i think you can only send and receive money and receive money from other sparklers right now so yeah well that that space is saturated so good luck to them so, so for me, Lalo, I think, I mean, so for me, like, I didn't, I won't lie, just because the whole launch was a bit dragged out, I kind of lost interest. 
So for those yeah. of us that don't want to bother downloading the app but just want to know who just can you please just you know in a few words just explain you know what spark what sparkle spark, what is? is yes ah sparkle is sparkle is wallet.ng it is it is <laughs> who else does payments are uh, no it is yeah. zoto before zoto died it is yeah, they're, they're like a bank now their focus is smes isn't it Ah, not from that application that I downloaded. Though. The application that me I opened still collected my BVN. It wasn't business anything. It was just it was the usual like what you would expect: pay bills, send money, receive money. I mean, that's essentially, that, to be fair, that's the one that's easy to build. But as yeah. far as vision, so maybe there's a maybe there's a roadmap like there's a grand vision that involves SME. SMEs at some point, but right now, what is on the application? In fact, I'm not sure there is any inclination. Let me just open it now again. Maybe I was blind when I first saw it because I didn't see anything that relates to, to SMEs on it. No, not from the not from the actual from the actual app, from like the stuff they've said. Like a lot of the marketing has has been targeted at what's it called, has been targeted at businesses and talking about how they can help you sell and scale up and changing the way people buy and sell. Are you serious? Yeah, go to their Instagram now. That is a lot of his wash. That's the thing, like... So there's a disconnect between what is on their social media, what they are pushing, and the... I'm guessing this is an MVP anyway, like a, maybe just a first build... I mean, if you're going to do all of that, I feel like you should itch, like you should indicate that oh, these things are coming. I don't know. No, not really, because you have to set the expectations. So, just launch what you have MVP. Then, as people use and test, add stuff now. Ah, oh. So, at the end of the day, it will be an app for both retail users and business users. I mean, that's probably what will happen in reality, but from beforehand before it was announced and when he was talking about sparkling it wasn't supposed to be just some vanilla stuff mm-hmm. or maybe right. our big bro has pivoted and we don't know we shall no, find out in the coming days I, Carry on. Carry on. I, I wish them the best i wish them like <laughs> they all i don't know if they know that this, yeah, I wish them the best. Anyway, the more the better. The more people do digital, the more, the more it's better for all of us that are trying to do digital. The more people trust. More acceptance, more trust. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, because we clearly have a bias for financial services and, you know, because that's our comfort zone. Uh, there's also the impending increase at the enforcement of the cashless policy. So the CBN sent out a circular that from 1st of April 2020 in Nigeria. And if an individual wants to withdraw, they'll charge 3%. And if you want to drop cash, they'll charge 2% of the amount you drop your, you know, you're trying to transact on. And then for corporates, it's 5% versus 3%. So 5% withdrawal, 
and three percent deposits. Uh, yeah. I mean, <sighs> on, on as far as I'm concerned, I still don't feel like those charges are steep enough to or severe enough to generate the type of behavior that we're looking for in, in this industry. Mm. Because ultimately, people will figure out ways to beat the system. I remember when, um, like with the first round of charges that they introduced, it got to a point that what business owners started doing is that they will credit up until like 499K. Mm-hmm. And then they'll move to their account in another bank and do that again. And then move to another bank and then do that again. And then if they ever, like, if they ever fill up all their accounts, they'll then move to their personal account and then do all of that, um, withdraw cash and all. So I, I feel like people are still going to, to find ways around it. And if the CBN really wants to push cashless which in reality is is something that we should actually be doing cash is not a it's not sustainable you know with the way the world is going today and even when you are trying to um manage things like uh what's this thing called now money laundering and terrorist financing you know these are all things that once that money turns into cash is usually difficult to trace so I personally, I feel like we need steeper, steeper penalties for anybody who wants to do cash. Maybe if you are shedding tears as you are withdrawing, next time you think about how you can use um, digital platforms because they are a whole lot more stable than people would have you think. I remember, uh, Musa, that your tweet where you took the screenshots from the NIB site and NIP is like 99% stable. So yeah, uh, NIP is stable. His cards are not stable, but yeah, well, uh, that one's a different problem. But NIP is stable. I think. Yeah. I think ultimately, though, like I understand that the CBN is trying to drive cashless, um, but I get and I, I guess banks also sit up and find like better ways to serve their customers that are still dealing in cash. So I know like when you look at it, sometimes you look at so if you look in the corporate space, you'll find that. The FMCGs, quite a number of their like distributors and their distributors like of takers are still heavily cash reliant. So then they're like different like you know paths or places along the value chain in the ecosystem that need to be addressed. Um, I think it's a case of yeah, first of all, the end users not being 100% comfortable with transacting digitally. Um, and then obviously that then cascades upwards. If that makes any sense, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's see how it goes. Ultimately, we'll we'll get to a point where uh, cash will nearly be a thing of the past, you know. And we'll still have cash. We will always have cash, or we might always have cash with us. But we, my my dream for this country is that we get to a point where tons of cash becomes weird you know somebody brings two million naira in cash to a bank let it be like a red letter day you know like something very odd that's my own dream sure maybe we'll be able to catch all these people moving money in the country 
Yeah. All right. And then, so also, I mean, so from we had shared, we had an episode earlier on in the podcast, in our lifetime as a as podcasters. I'm talking about insurance and you know the trends within the space and the guys that we've been anxiously awaiting their launch. That's yeah. in the West. Cassava, I'm still waiting <laughs> for you. If you are listening to this podcast, you have the fun. Please launch, please. Carry. Yeah. So. I don't know. Pardon? I don't know what Lalo is talking about here. Cassava launched. That. Talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about people that. Ah, uh, you know. People like um, Tandrin, yeah? Tandrin Life. Who are the product of Virat Capital acquiring ARM Life and spinning off um, Tandrin, Tandrin Life. It just happened. It happened like um, early, end of February, early March. Because I've been hearing about Tandrin a while ago. But that, well, that was an ARM thing. That was a what? Was Tangerine an ARM thing? Uh, I, I'm not certain about that. I know that their press release was either end of February, this being Verd Capital's press release, it was either end of February or early March. So maybe it was a deal that had been in the works for a while and then they only just got to a press release um, at this time. So perhaps well yeah so i mean so i think like in terms of like health insurance though we don't see a lot of the guys going digital um, in that space so we've seen people try to do like digital um digital car insurance digital you know so assets insuring assets basically digitally but then when it comes to like like health insurance it's not yet like easily accessible yeah, just to be fair, Reliance are like the only guys that are doing that, right? Yeah, and even that one about the the car insurance, I, they're also okay. I know that many of them do comparisons, like this compare insurance and all. But are you able to buy online as well with those guys? For, for comparison, compare... yeah, yeah. We said, sir. I believe you bought insurance of compare insurance, right? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, so okay. you can actually buy on that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, health insurance is still a space that is largely untapped, but then maybe it's because the people that don't have health insurance, perhaps they're not really online. You know, on this health insurance thing, I, I think it's a, it's a function of... The country? Of how it is... No, no, um, how it is delivered. So health insurance is something that I feel perhaps I'm wrong. I, I will just state it earlier. I'm not certain about this, but I feel very strongly that if it's something that you allow people structure, maybe you run like some sort of subscription type service, kind of like exactly what Reliance is doing, like you'll find success there. Because- Or health insurance. Uh, yeah, health insurance. Isn't that how health insurance is now, typically like in, in proper market now? They deduct from a salary every month. So, but, yeah, the but problem- I think there's an upfront payment that is made. Yes, so they deduct so from the- a salary every month. However, your employer has profited. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
and that so front loading is the is the problem with many yeah. things in this country including rent it's why yeah. many people can't live in places where ordinarily they will be able to afford but yeah, because you're asking them to raise all that money up front it becomes a problem sorry for you're saying so then also because like so for instance i mean i was talking to my person like at the gym i was talking to the guy that trains me at the gym and i was like yo like because he just got married and he's trying to plan his life and all of that i'm just just generally talking about his financial health because i like to i don't know why i do that but yeah anyways um and i was talking i was i asked like do you have health insurance and he was like no and so then you then find that if you're not employed in an organization that is willing to provide yeah. health insurance for you then getting access to health insurance is is like it's hard. It's hard. Yes. Yeah. It's hard. It's supposed to be something so, easy because I feel like in Ghana, Ghana's health insurance system is pretty dope. Like almost everybody has access to health insurance. Like even if you're like, if even as a Nigerian that goes to work in Ghana, for as long as you're working there and your your employer first of all has to, there's no wiggle room. You know, employers yeah. have to pay. But in Nigeria, it's still almost optional that employers don't really have to pay. Um, Employers still yeah. get away. Let me not say they don't have to pay them, so they get away with, you know, not providing health insurance. I'm not insurance. even sure that they. I'm not sure that they have to to pay. It's an employee um, benefit. I'm not sure that anyone is going to prison legally if they don't provide health insurance. I think yeah, it's just true. a value. Yeah, and, and, and then, to a certain degree, I feel like it. This all of this situation stems out of like the failure of our own national health insurance scheme, okay. you know, because yeah. this was something that the, the government tried to push, but you know how it is in this country, millions and, and millions of Naira allocated and nothing. and nothing to show for it. Yeah. I mean, the scheme exists, you know, let me not act like, like I don't know that it does exist and some people are able to use it, but it's not widespread and the vast majority of Nigerians don't even know that they can like they can get national health insurance for really cheap. What's it called? How like even in the event of an emergency, how likely are you to receive the the help that you require? So Yeah, I think there's also like in terms of barriers to entry, I know most like of these companies that offer health insurance, there's oh you have to have, I don't want to name names, you have to have minimum 10 employees to sign up for health insurance as an organization. Or, you know, what they do then do is, obviously, the more employees you bring, the bigger discount you get, things like that. Just obviously make it, like, you know, harder really for difficult. that guys, yeah, to, you know, yeah. decide to, okay, let me, you know, let me offer this to my employees. They're looking at yeah. the cost like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Which is why I feel like if you can, especially with this one that um, the government is really trying to drive micro insurance, I feel like if, if you democratize access to this thing and, and give people the option of maybe paying weekly or, or paying monthly, you know, like a manageable sum, like I'm not saying cover all the illnesses on this planet, but like cover the things that you know people experience you know like minor surgeries and malaria and typhoid and all of those things you will find that people will pay if it's man like if it's small some small chunks of money broken down that they can afford yeah. those are my two cents yeah perhaps i'm wrong 
I mean, it, it seems very obvious. So maybe there's something that we don't know. Yeah, fair. Um, maybe I always blame you. To be fair, Sha, um, I I did look at um, the requirements for starting an insurance business in Nigeria, and it's pretty steep. Like, there's a financial barrier. Um, I think one of the licenses is like five billion naira. Another one is two billion. You're not making your money for your license on with your premium. It's not from there you're making your money. If anybody gets license and you're trying to use your premium to to, to re- replace the money used for license, you are very stupid. It, imagine you're, you're a bank and you say, oh, because it's a 25 billion capital thing, we're going to be charging people 2,000 naira for transfer because you have to make your money back. Once you overcome that barrier to entry, your, your excuse cannot be like, oh, the barrier to entry was hard. So you have to make up for it. Yeah, I think the, the yeah. argument yeah. that I make yeah. is that because because the barrier to entry is so high, let me say it's limiting competition. And then because competition is limited, there's no incentive for these bigger insurance companies in Nigeria to innovate. You know, they, they play amongst themselves and... If only, it's not like if only they had a regulator that imposed these things. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So no, as long as it's just them. When I remember when I said the thing about CBS that there's no incentive for them not to behave like a cabal. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this is the same thing that's happening now. An insurance company can say, "Look, this is a time market, and we want to win. Let's let's introduce this type of pricing." But so far, it's only Reliance has done it. Hopefully, Reliance is the first of many. Yeah. But then again, ultimately, but I'm I'm trying not to throw any shade. But Nosa, have you seen the Nikon site? You should check it out. You should check out that site. It's a it's if that's an indication of the regulator or the type of regulator that an industry has, then I I can understand why things are a certain way. They're just not innovative. That's that's the problem. Yeah, and, but I mean, and that's a fundamental difference between them and banks, because yeah. even as at twenty eleven, banks were, had already started. What am I saying? Twenty eleven, like two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, banks had already started pushing. Some banks, admittedly, not all of them, you know, had started pushing to see like what they could do differently. Because I think for me is that in Nigeria, in Nigeria, when the business, when businesses are safe, there's no incentive for them to innovate. And may I stand by that one? So that's why, as much as I think the CBN can be heavy-handed, I feel like the CBN has to force these guys to do things. The same way, I feel like the regulator has to force these Nigerian businesses to do things because a lot of these guys are still run by older people who will not change anything. Like Reliance is doing it because, okay, look, uh, let's just, we we are breaking into a tough market. We have to stand out. And of course, they're a a YC company now. So obviously they have like white man input inside there. But all these other guys are just, uh, I beg, they're just happy to sit there and just be chopping their book. Maybe they'll collect Send, uh, we are doing agents, insurance agent, blah, blah, blah. They're too safe. Anyway, Corona. Yeah, and and, 
and they and they make a, they make money off other like other things like these um, larger insurance companies like um, uh, is it custom bonds that they call this and marine insurance which yeah. is a really big thing so they're they're safe but anyway let's wait and see what's going to go on or what's going to happen in the coming months in that space uh, when oh, tangerine launches I'm fascinated Corona is coming it's going to change everybody. I remember I said Corona is Corona is here. It's going to change all of them. Yeah. All right. So let's not overflow this episode. Um, I think that we've come to the end of the gist of this episode. Thank you guys for listening. If you have peace out, to- guys. Peace out. Peace out. Yeah. And catch you at, on the next episode. All right. Till then. <laughs>